Now we come to your word, to a very simple verse, but Lord, the truth that it points us to is quite profound. I just pray, Father, you would help me to deliver this truth in a way that is glorifying to you, and pray all of us here, including myself, would have the ears to listen. And I pray, Lord, that it would change us and shape us and mold us into the people you have called us to be. Followers of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About a week or so ago, I was working on my schoolwork. And in the background, I had one of those shows playing where people bring in items and they find out whether or not they're valuable. And while I was working, somebody brought in an item that caught my attention. It wasn't really the item that caught my attention, but the fact that that item reminded me of something, and that was the two items that I owned. You see, it's tucked somewhere in a closet in our house are two pieces of Dutch pottery known as Delft. When my grandmother died, each of the grandkids received a couple of pieces. We were told the story that we had a relative about 100, 120 years ago who immigrated here to the United States and brought these pieces with them. And the rumor was that each piece was worth anywhere between three to $7,000. Well, I received a small windmill that's actually a music box, and believe it or not, the one and only flask. <laughs> so because of the show, I was a little intrigued and began to kind of look up what these pieces were, and what I found out was rather unexpected. What I have in my closet at home is nothing more than a hundred-year-old Dutch tourism gifts. We piece it all together. Apparently what this relative did is because they were going to immigrate to the United States and already had family there, must have gone to what was the equivalent of that time of a five-and-dime store and gathered up what they could and brought them as presents found out, even though they're as old as they are, each piece is probably, at least the ones that I have, each piece is probably worth around $80. And I told my wife that was okay. It wasn't like we needed to pawn them or anything. But they were still an interesting piece of our family's history. This morning, you see a simple verse, very short, and it is a proverb telling us about things that are valuable. Now, when dealing with Proverbs, one of the first things we have to remind ourselves is that these are not rules. These are things that are true most of the time, generally, or would be true should the world work as God intended. For example, Proverbs tells us that those who are lazy, more often than not, end up poor. Is that usually true? Yes. The Proverbs will tell us that women, women who have loose morals, can ruin a man's life. Can that be true? Yes. Proverbs will tell us that there are going to be people in the marketplace who are going to commit fraud. Is that true? Yes. The point being is that we do not 
dismiss the wisdom of Proverbs simply because we might be able to think of an example where the opposite of the proverb happened. These are not intended to be dealt with like the laws of physics. They are Proverbs, which means they are pieces of wisdom that generally, if you follow them, you're going to end up having a joyful and productive life. Now, our proverb this morning has two parts to it. First is the statement, and that is this. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, or the idea of gold and an abundance of costly stones. In other words, the the writer is saying precious materials exist. There are things out there, things around us, that have tremendous value, and the implication is... We like having those things. But then we get a contrast. The lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. In other words, the writer is saying that there is knowledge that can be passed from one person to the next that is of greater value than gold and costly stones. The Bible is saying that there is a knowledge that is of greater value than having finding or making money which is interesting because this proverb shows up in a list of proverbs about money you have a list of proverbs around it is about making money saving money how not to get frauded out of your money how not to fraud others out of their money what this verse is is really kind of an aside it's saying just so you know Well, along with all of these tips about making money and all of these tips about saving money, I'm going to tell you that there is knowledge that is of greater value than any amount of money you could make. And so my desire this morning is to show you how this proverb might end up playing out in your life. Or how you could be enriched by the lips of knowledge in a way that is better than being enriched by money. So how can you be enriched by the lips of knowledge in a way that is better than being enriched by money? I'll give you three this morning. Number one. Number one, we are enriched by the lips of knowledge through the teachers given to the church. Now, I want to be clear here. The Bible in the book of Proverbs is talking about something very specific. In general sense, we could say parents have knowledge they need to pass on. There are people in this building who have white hair and gray hair and no hair who have knowledge they need to pass on. There are experts in a field that have knowledge they need to pass on. There are people who have experiences who have knowledge they need to pass on. But here in the book of Proverbs, there's something specific in mind. Here in the book of Proverbs, what we're talking about is not only a growth in your intellectual understanding of God, but a real wisdom, a real knowledge that actually can apply the ways of God to your life. So what we're talking about, when it comes to the lips of knowledge here in Proverbs, we're talking about the ability to make God clearer. Later in our New Testament, Jesus is going to be called the wisdom of God. 
The lips of knowledge are going to refer to the idea of the person of Jesus Christ. He was the ultimate user or the ultimate haver of the lips of knowledge. And it would mean that the lips of knowledge should make Christ clearer. Now, in Ephesians 4, the Bible lays out one application for the church. Let me kind of paint it this way. People become Christians. The Bible says those Christians are going to be gifted in certain ways by the Holy Spirit. And in those lists of giftings, several of those giftings are going to fall under the idea of the lips of knowledge. Or giftings supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit to people for the purpose of ministering to others in order to make God clearer and the primary way he's going to do this in ephesians 4 he says is through teachers and through pastors so literally the idea is that god is going to gift certain people with the lips of knowledge and then give those people to the church so that people in the church can grow up so that people in the church can keep from being led astray In 1 Timothy 5, these are people who are described as being worthy of double honor or being elevated because what they contribute to a local church is unique. And the reality is the immediate application in Ephesians 4 is, of course, the local church pastor. Yet, the Bible is also going to refer to teachers. Now, here in America... The primary way we are going to interact with a teacher that God has gifted in this way is probably going to be through Sunday school. Although it could be a youth pastor or youth leader. It could be an Awana leader. It could be somebody that God has placed in your life through a small group Bible study. But the point is, is that there are people that God has gifted with the lips of knowledge and given them to the church by his grace. But let's make sure we don't forget the other part of the proverb. Value. The point of the proverb is to say that the lips of knowledge bring something worth more than gold and precious stones. So that would mean that if you find someone with the lips of knowledge, someone who in your life is making Christ clearer or pushing you to grow in the Lord, the challenge then would be to listen as if you're listening to somebody who could make you financially rich like i said the context here is or the the immediate application is going to be to the local church that there are going to be those gifted by god with the 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 lips of knowledge they're going to be given to the church and they're going to deposit things into your life that would not or you could not give a dollar value to i tell people all the time that one of the things that I'm most thankful for in my life is that by God's grace, for some reason or another, I kept running into men who wanted to make spiritual deposits into my life. I think of George Dwelly. For 20 years, he was a high-security prison guard and then retired and pastored a church of less than 20 people for nearly two decades. Or running into Irv Volkman, who was literally a circuit-riding preacher out in Montana, going from town to town on Sundays. I think of Roger Bauma, who was really the first pastor I ever listened to with some interest. Or Chuck Williams, who was my youth pastor and encouraged me into the ministry. My point is to ask you, who are those men and women for you? 
I want you to think of names. I want you to think of faces. And the application for you is this. Do you see the deposits that they made into your life? The spiritual deposits they made into your life. Do you value it like you would a new car? Do you see those deposits on par with the degrees or maybe the certifications that you have that allow you to make money? Do you see their spiritual deposits as better life lessons than how to balance a checkbook? But let me make a second application real quick here. And that would be this, the usefulness of books. The lips of knowledge clearly in this text is all about the local level, real people who are going to interact with your life. But we can't deny that by God's grace, we live in an age where those with the lips of knowledge can actually share more than just on the local level. How many of you have ever been blessed by a C.S. Lewis book? For me, I love the fact that the writings of the Puritans have been restored and updated. Many people who have the lips of knowledge have written down devotionals that we can carry in our pockets or find on our computers. As American Christians, we are rich with access to whom God has gifted with the lips of knowledge. And the question is, do we value such things? And they should be of more value to us than the purchase of a new couch, the latest video game, and even a new gun. So the first way we're enriched by the lips of knowledge is through those pastors and teachers that God gives to the local church. Let me give you a second way that you're likely going to be enriched by the lips of knowledge. I shouldn't say likely, you are going to be enriched by the lips of knowledge. And that is through your consumption of the word. Through your consumption of the word. Go back to the opening in the book of Proverbs. If you go back to the beginning of the book of Proverbs, one of the things you will find is that having this knowledge brings, all, brings with it all sorts of benefits. For example, in Proverbs 1, having the knowledge inside of you is described as being able to discern or to hear somebody's plan and go, you know what, that's a bad idea. Proverbs 2 describes this knowledge as having like, uh, like having a big brother watching out for you in a world full of evil. In Proverbs 3, this knowledge is described as giving you the ability to fill up your days with good things. In other words, this knowledge has a place where we talk to ourselves. We go over to the Psalms. What we see is that God's people do talk to themselves. God's people have this inner dialogue. And in any given moment this morning, you are going to preach to yourself. You're going to teach yourself. The question then becomes, are you talking to yourself with the lips of knowledge? Is the inner conversation you're having every day in your encounters, is it making God's will and way clearer? Not only in Proverbs, but in the rest of your Bible, having that inner conversation be dominated by the lips of knowledge is described as a matter of life and death. If you go to Ezekiel, for example, there were those who were saying to themselves that, we, that God would never punish us for our sins because we are his chosen people. And because of that, they made wrong decisions. In Ezra and Nehemiah, we find people who were having inner conversations because they were fearful of the world and were trying to fit in. 
In the book of Psalms, we have a man who is described as a fool because he says in his heart that there is no God. In Hosea, God declares that his people follow the ways of death because they are starving for knowledge. Well, we go to our New Testament. What do we find? We find Jesus, when he was being tempted of the devil, he did not refuse or defeat that temptation through some divine power that he had, but through something you and I can have, and that is the lips of knowledge. In Romans, we're comforted being told that we have peace with God and we're not under any condemnation. We are to preach those things to ourselves. As Paul does in, in, in Romans 7, when he despairs over his struggle with sin. Later in the epistles, the inner conversation is going to keep Christians from going after false teachers. That inner conversation is going to help them understand what is good and what is pure. Having the inner conversation is going to go hand in hand with how well they are loving others. But again, we can't dismiss the other half. The value of the lips of knowledge. In other words, the place that the Bible has in that inner conversation, that inner dialogue, is valuable. In fact, in some places in Scripture, it is described in the same way as eating Eating the word of God so that you can have the lips of knowledge and your inner conversation should be just as important as have a perfectly cooked piece of smoked meat. And I love smoked meat. Having the lips of knowledge by reading your Bible should be just as important as eating the right kind or the best kind of cheesecake, which is Junior's in New York City. It should be more important than eating a healthy salad or eating a healthy drink. It should be more important than making sure you're getting all of your superfoods. Now, the first application, of course, what we have to make here is this, is that the first and most important inner conversation one should have is whether or not your faith is in Christ. He is described as the knowledge of God. So if you have heard that Christ has died for your sins... But you have yet to believe in order to be saved. You cannot have the lips of knowledge in your inner conversation. And we know this is true because we know there are people who know the Bible better than everybody here this morning. And they are lost. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, the Bible becomes clearer as we consume the word. Or let me put it this way. The grandfather of all temptation is to ask the question, has God really said? In Genesis, it was the question that unraveled Eve's inner conversation. So the next time you interact with somebody who makes you uncomfortable, somebody who is not like you, somebody you perhaps do not get along with, the inner dialogue conversation is going to be, has God really said to love my neighbor? Has God really said to love my brother? Or when your wife, men, when your wife does that thing that in your marriage that irritates the world out of you, that inner conversation is going to be, has God really said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church? When you're caught in a situation that might cause you some embarrassment or even shame, the inner conversation is going to be, has God really said, thou shalt not lie? 
You see, those moments, whether or not your inner dialogue can, contains the lips of knowledge, is going to determine whether or not you are wrathful or patient. It's going to determine whether or not you tell the truth or lie. It's going to, depend, it's going to determine whether or not you love or break. So considering all that, let me ask you this morning, group, is having the lips of knowledge in your inner conversation something of value? Yes. If it is something of value, then whether or not you read your Bible matters. If it is of value, then whether or not you attend church, even in the busyness of summer, matters. The consuming of the contents of the Bible is what gains you the lips of knowledge for that inner conversation, and it will make all the difference But then we come to number three, lastly. Not only we are enriched by the lips of knowledge that God supernaturally gives to certain people who he gives to the church. And not only am I enriched by having the lips of knowledge in my inner conversation. I am enriched by the lips of knowledge through sharing the gospel. I am enriched by the lips of knowledge when I share the gospel. Let's remind ourselves here. Having this lips of knowledge is clearly being told to us as being something that is of greater value than any monetary standing. Now, some of you this morning, my, my hope would be that you would say to me, Pastor, I would not trade what I learned from pastor so-and-so or teacher so-and-so for all the tea in China. Or you might say to me, Pastor, I can remember a tough spot I was in and the scripture came to mind. Or I remembered what I did in my devotions that day and it really kept me from making a bad decision. And I wouldn't trade that for a million dollars. But what about using the lips of knowledge when it, when it comes to speaking to another person. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible tells us the only hope for the fool is someone who comes along with the lips of knowledge. The fool can only be turned right if somebody comes with actual wisdom. I mean, you read the whole book. The whole book of Proverbs is a father who has the lips of knowledge and using them for the sake of his son. But we're not talking about someone who has been supernaturally gifted with the lips of knowledge. We're not talking about somebody God has supernaturally gifted and then given to the church. We are talking about the practice of using the lips of knowledge by all of God's people. And we know it's supposed to happen because we read about it. Go back to again Ephesians 4. And we're told to speak the truth to one another in love. Or you go to Titus and we see older men and older women using the lips of knowledge to disciple and to bring up young men and young women. And we go to probably the most important passage with this idea is we go to Romans and we see the words, How shall somebody who does not believe, believe without someone to tell them? How shall the unbeliever hear and believe without somebody telling them about Jesus? How shall they hear and believe without somebody who will tell them about the bodily incarnation of the very walking, talking lips of knowledge? 
But then again, the context here is important. This has to be of more value to you than material blessing. So how does opening your mouth and using the lips of knowledge enrich you? I'll give you three examples that I've seen in my life. First, when it comes to the gospel, you can have the joy of leading someone to Jesus Christ. Giving them opportunity to put their faith in him for salvation. What glorious value there is in that. Or second, you can have the continuous joy of watching the growth of someone in whom you've made a spiritual deposit. Or perhaps you can get the joy of growing closer to your Lord, having experienced using the lips of knowledge, and you can grow closer no matter how it's received. Now, if there's anybody left listening this morning, Somebody out there is probably thinking, Pastor, I've tried to use the lips of knowledge, and well, what I got back was not better than a bigger bank account. In fact, you would say, using the lips of knowledge has gotten me called some pretty ugly things. Let me say to you, if that's really what's happened, if you have used the lips of knowledge and it turned out pretty ugly, I'm going to tell you, you still came out ahead. To be rejected because you spoke the wisdom of God is to give you an experience that should cause you to better relate to your Savior. Jesus Christ was not crucified, was not rejected because of the good deeds he did. They were clear and they were plain. He was being crucified for using the lips of knowledge. And he did it knowing he would be rejected. And he went through it knowing that his suffering would bring your salvation. Let me ask you, does that increase your affection for him? Is that not worth more than money? But my hope would be that among believers, the use of the lips of knowledge would be welcome. Let me ask you, in your walk with the Lord, how many times have you been talking with another brother and sister in Christ and found yourself encouraged? Now, how many of you would love to do that for someone else? Why wouldn't you want to have the joy of God using you to provide comfort? You might be the reason somebody remains faithful. You could be the reason how somebody is able to escape a cycle of sin. Isn't speaking the words of the lips of knowledge, the eternal wisdom of God into somebody's life, having an impact for eternity, isn't that worth more than money? But to do that, we have to have the lips of knowledge. We must know how to speak the gospel. We must know how to tell somebody who feels unloved that God provided salvation for them out of his love for them. We need to learn how to tell people who feel lost in their failure that they can have everything by Christ, by faith, not performance. Maybe you could be the one who encourages a young couple to keep at it, to show each other grace, like the grace they received from God in Christ. How many of you this morning know exactly what I'm talking about? Because it's happened. You were used by God 
Maybe you is in a role as a teacher, maybe in the role as a coach, maybe in the role of a neighbor, whatever. You were used by God to make an eternal difference, and you would never trade that for a fat bank account. As Americans, most of us have what people in past years would consider extravagant luxuries. Most of us here this morning have a dream car, a dream home, or maybe something we imagine would be pretty great to own someday. At the same time, some of us wonder, is there going to be enough money when we retire? Is there going to be enough money to send our kids off to college? The point being is that the proverb doesn't ignore the fact that money and possessions are a real part of life. In fact, it embraces it. But the point of the Proverbs is to say is that the lips of knowledge are still more valuable. Knowing that reveals to us, makes God clearer, makes Christ clearer than ever before. Only the lips of knowledge can do that. And so what tremendous value to have someone in your life, someone you know, who uses God's gift of the lips of knowledge to impart wisdom to make spiritual deposits into your life. Do you value that? What great riches we can have in Scripture when we have the lips of knowledge in our inner conversation and obtain glorious treasures by either refusing sin or doing good. And what precious things we can obtain with the wisdom or with the lips of knowledge, what precious things there are to obtain to impart wisdom, the wisdom of Christ, And making an eternal difference. It is absolutely certain. The lips of knowledge are better than any precious jewel. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would make us a people with the lips of knowledge. We value it in others. We would be open to hearing it from others. And Father, certainly make it a part of our inner conversation. And I pray, Father, and know that the lips of knowledge, the knowledge spoken of there is truly your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that those lips of knowledge, as they are called to do, would make Christ clearer in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.